John, Davis, I need to ask you some stuff, and I'm glad we had the opportunity to chat. Well, I'm glad to be here, you know, being from the same local area kind of thing. Very, 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 very welcome. I want to say that just from the start, I want to make sure you feel very safe and very welcome and very encouraged to be who you are all the way you and never anybody you aren't. Well, uh, if I was somebody else, I wouldn't be me, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody else is taken, bro. It's all. Mm -hmm. And there's too much of me to spread around. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued with the fact that you've been so, you've been guests on so many podcasts lately. And, uh, what's, what's kind of, what's kind of been the motivation for you to be on, uh, to be guests on so many people's podcasts? Well, you know, you know, COVID-19 hit. And for me, that was a, uh, I, I have a job where I'm a keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And that means I go into small rooms with large numbers of people without masks. Mm -hmm. And that industry went away. And so it's like, well, when some, when stuff like that happens, you got to figure out what you're going to do. So for me, it was like, well, let's figure out how to market. So I, I put myself out as a podcast guest and I had no idea people were looking for a comedy sword fighting stuntman, you know, to, to be on their podcast. So I was like, Sure. So next you, thing you know, I, you I have, are the uh, only one of the people who does all of those things. There's, I've done there's all tons of and people, more. There, there's tons of people who do those things and the, and just those things and maybe those things mixed with other things, but not those things combined. That's that's very true. Very, very true. And I, I've done it all over the world. And I've, I've also I'm, I'm one of the guys who wore tights on the front lines of both Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, and wow. held a sword in his hand while wearing tights. <laughs> How? What was the the point of the tights? I mean, I'm I'm not shaming tights. I hey, love hey, tights. Hey, I hey, wear tights all the time. No, I wear tights all the time, dude. I get my I, custom, I, uh, I get custom I, made tights. I've been. I did a comedy sword years. fighting show, man. I did a comedy sword fighting show called Hack and Slash. It went all over the world. Um, uh, I started doing Renaissance festivals first. Did a lot of Renaissance festivals all over the country, and then the the. Uh, the Pentagon stopped by one of my shows and said, hey, why don't you guys do USO tours? So we started doing USO tours. So we grabbed a couple other comedians and we took them out to the front lines. And uh, But we still stayed in our Renaissance clothing so that when these soldiers are out there in the field, helicopter lands and these four guys get out dressed in goofy clothes. Right. It's just it's something to break up the monotony of being in a war zone. And then we go out there and we did bullwhips and whips and swords and, wow. and beds of nails and, you know, all kinds of crazy uh, comedy and uh, yeah, that that's why I was wearing tights you know, <laughs> on the front lines of Iraq. Well, <laughs> my, I, my my biggest fear there was not the guns or the, or the bombs; it was the being caught in 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 a, in a Iraqi village wearing tights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, tights wearing tights can be scary at first. I mean, you get used to it. I I was scared to wear tights at first. I I started wearing tights in like the early two thousands. So and why, uh, why were you wearing tights? I'm a pro wrestler, man. That's, oh, there you go. There you go. It's a uh, part of the part of the job. You just wear tight. And my 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 part of wearing tights is like I have to make sure I'm so proud of these tights. Like yeah. these are these are custom made so that no one else is going to be wearing the tights that I'm wearing. So I can't go on the show and be like, oh, some some Jamoke had the same tights as you. Oh, right. Like that. No, he didn't because I paid top dollar for my tights and I got them made by somebody who's a pro. So yeah, I, I actually made all mine. I, oh, really? I made all. I was like, I didn't want to spend the money, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did it myself. What, what year was that? Oh, I dude, I did Renaissance festivals. 
from my from my twenties till uh, well, I I did that show for twenty one years. Wow! And um, when I went to Iraq and Afghanistan, we went from two thousand one to two thousand six. So mm-hmm. we were at, there at the beginning and to way up through a lot of the the taking of the countries. Wow! Um, so we saw some crazy stuff. We saw some some moments where we we uh, we had an RPG shot at our helicopter. Um, we had some bombs blow up around us and. So one night I was sleeping in what they called a can. Basically, it was a like a shipping container been turned into a bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I could hear the bullets hitting the wall right outside. There was like a wall right next to my – I could hear bullets hitting the wall. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting trip. <laughs> interesting trips. Many of them. There's six of them. <laughs> I have, I have a, a whole lot of respect for the people who, who voluntarily decide that that's the career choice that they want to go for. So, and think think about what they volunteered for. They volunteered to go anywhere in the world right. to defend our freedom, no matter what that was. Whether you agree with the wars or what or not, right. those people volunteered to go anywhere and defend us. So right. it's, got, that's why that's the sole reason why I did those tours is because those guys needed to have someone come over there and, and, and give back to them for their their diligence and their bravery. You know. Yeah, it's an escape for all the the it's escape for just minutes at a time. If that's, if that's what it is, it's just minutes, but it's like the, the duty that you, that you've signed up for is, is so respectable. I mean, even if you don't, even if you don't agree with what, why you're there, the fact that that even makes me respect you even more. If you're still sacrificing your entire life back at home. Right. Right. To- and you know, it's funny. I had a soldier come up to me. I was in a Ramadi Iraq. I had just finished doing a show, and he walked up to me. He says, you know, Mr. Davis, he says, I, uh, this morning I was in a firefight, and this afternoon for two hours I was able to forget all about that. I want to thank you for coming. And, you know, yeah. I was like, I realized I was, I'm the pressure relief valve, you know. Yeah. We, we land and we make them laugh for two hours. It gives them a chance to – and I, somebody, somebody, one of the soldiers told me, I said, what's it like over here? He said that, he said that Iraq is like um, the movie Groundhog's Day. Only imagine Groundhog's Day, but every day somebody wants to kill you. <laughs> you know, it's like. So, um, what do you? What is your? What is your relationship like with stand-up comedy, dude? Like, when I know you said you did comedy for a while, so I kind of wanted to I see. Did, like, I, most most of my career was in comedy. My 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 comedy career is more in improvisational and situational comedy. Mm-hmm. So we would do almost like improvisational skits. Okay. So stand-up yeah. is cutthroat. Stand-up yeah. stand is like one of the most, uh, how, how do I say, it? competitive careers out there. And, and you know, the comedian who's coming up after you does not want you to be funnier than them, right? right. And oh. so the, Dep- there, depending on Depending on how good are the people that you're hanging around with. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I did a show. It. I did a, we put it, we used to put together on this, huge charity event for at Christmas called the, the hack and slash Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And one year we brought in a big, big name comedian and it was the worst mistake we ever made because he was a big stand up guy and he, he upset the entire cast was just, you know, you know, telling them they didn't know what they're doing. and didn't have chops. And our show was great. It was a great show, mm-hmm. but he, it didn't fit what he wanted. It didn't, didn't live up to whatever his, preconceived notion of it or whatever right. his well, standards are. Right. Yeah, he, kept I, say, I he, kept, he kept downing people for, for not having the chops to be as funny as him. And he was funny, but 
I didn't think he was any funnier than anybody else who was there because we had some really, really good talent there. Okay, so tell me who it is without telling me who it is. Oh, I, I would never say his name, Kyle Cease, um, <laughs> ever. I would never say his name on, on, on radio or podcast, Kyle Cease, because Kyle, I mean, I, I mean that guy, would, would just he was just really hard to work with. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. I don't. I can't. I don't, I don't I think yeah, I can figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I, I can't. You know, I I couldn't tell you who Kyle Cease is at all. I mean, I mean, um, that comedian. <laughs> <laughs> but so, have you ever tried stand up? I I have not tried stand up, and I, I I applaud him for going as far as he did, and applaud any anybody who does stand up because it is you alone with a microphone and you have you are the only one responsible for whether you fail or succeed you don't have a partner on there up there with you it's it's a tough tough job and so i applaud him for that but you know when you come back to a team you need to be able to work in a team <laughs> right right man I, I that's another 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 facet in me is like i'm such a huge stand-up comedy nerd as well as somebody who's been doing stand-up comedy for a couple of years now so uh, when you when you talk about when you talk about the the comedy and the, the the chops that come along with it and the vulnerability inside of like I'm gonna stand here and say things that I think are important enough for you to listen to, and I mean that I guess that comes back to like going to the the, the keynote speeches that you do, you like you are like I've got I've got this I've got this confidence. That's telling me that I've got to tell you a thing that you've got to know, and you can't say anything but listen. You got to sit well, here. The, the, and the thing is, you got, you got to you got to knock them down quick. You know, mm -hmm. I'm fortunate because my my speeches are based in um, empowering themselves to do more. So I'm giving them information that they want, like big time, but I'm delivering it like I used to deliver my comedy show, right? I actually use whips and nunchucks in my corporate speeches. Right. And at one point I end, I end my main corporate speech with bringing a person from the from the audience and in under five minutes teaching them to crack a whip and hit targets out of my hand. OK, so I'm doing stuff that, that they've never seen before. I don't use any PowerPoint or any of that crap. But when I step on the stage, I have to I have to own them right away. So I step on stage and I make a joke about, you know, wearing tights and living in the woods. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I work the Renaissance the festivals. For you guys, you don't know what the what Renaissance festivals are. It basically means I was wearing tights and living in the woods. <laughs> like the the PowerPoint presentation of like your keynote speeches and or not yours, but I'm saying anyone's like who's a motivational speaker. That's so that's too basic. That's too hack. That's too like. I know, I know, I know. You like the word hack. Hack means good things for you, but. <laughs> Hack that mindset, yeah. <laughs> but and I was and I was I actually played the character of Hack, of yeah. Hack and Slash. Oh wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, all this all this wordplay comes back full circle. Right, right, right. Well, I'll tell you something interesting about about the PowerPoint thing though is like, you know, it's they've proven scientifically that when you turn a PowerPoint presentation on, it actually shut it shuts down the part of the brain for content retention. So by turning it on, you're splitting their focus and they're not getting the information that's on the screen. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very big amount of like any PowerPoint situation that I've ever been presented with is like the person is just reading a thing and looking and showing you the thing that they're reading. And it's 
boring as hell. Like, right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty. Now, like, I've, I, I've, the only time I've ever seen PowerPoint used effectively is when the, when the person on stage doesn't actually look at it, but the jokes that he's performing are happening on the screen behind him. Like he'll take his speech and turn it in, in into a really boring part of the speech and something yeah. will pop up and say, isn't this part of the speech boring <laughs> you know, on the screen behind him? Yeah. And it becomes a, a, a three-dimensional show at that point because now it's no longer just looking at a guy on stage. Now it's looking at the guy and the thing behind him. So uh -huh. it becomes very interesting. But the second you try to give them content that they're supposed to retain and talk it at the same time, you've lost all, all ability to have them learn anything. That, that's a, that's a, a real, a good, a good life hack, a good go behind. I know uh, we're talking about, we're talking about hacks, but I mean, that's kind of a hack. Like it, it reminds me kind of of uh, remember in Wayne's world, when he was like interviewing the 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 sponsor guy, and he was like holding the cards that were like this man, this man, whatever he was saying, this guy's right, a right. thinker or whatever, and it was like it's this guy, this guy, I have proof or whatever, whatever it was, it was just saying stuff about the guy. Right, right, right. It's like the, the old fashioned "I'm with stupid" shirt. Right, right, right. exactly. <laughs> but the guy, the guy's not seeing the "I'm with stupid" sign because it's it's too far ahead, and only the right, people. Right witnessing it or are seeing it it's cool man it's cool so you did also inside the, you just did the the, the theater uh, fights fight choreography i did theater fight choreography i did some film choreography uh i mainly when i work in with film stuff though i'm usually a a technical behind the scenes guy mm -hmm. um i do um i i'm an expert in in, in sword play uh whips nunchucks uh, gun spinning uh, I've taken classes in you know Zulu stick fighting and small sword and mm -hmm. rip your dagger and but I, I would say choreography wise the majority of my work has been done doing live stunt shows, pirate stunt shows and things of that nature and uh, <clears throat> the hack and slash comedy show that went like I said all over the world and that had that had whips and swords and you know crazy crazy sword fights and rolls over the back and jumps off of the top decks and. Um, I, I actually built collapsing towers where we blew up bombs and the entire tower collapses with a guy riding it down. And so we, zip lines, you know, all wow. that stuff. I did that for years and years and years. A, a very good friend of mine is a, is a blacksmith and he, he makes, he makes the swords that the sword swallowers use. Hmm. Like he, you know, so they don't have a, like a blade on it. So it doesn't like slice your insides out. Well, well, I, yeah, I, I have lots of friends who are actual sword swallowers. And in fact, one, one, night, one night we're out to dinner and we're sitting with a whole group of people. We said, all right, who here eats fire? And 11 of them raised their hand. I said, who here swallows swords? And six of them raised their hand. <laughs> and he was like, I know all the weirdest people, man. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, freak show people are the coolest, man. I I, 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 I love freak show people. Like that, my friend who is a blacksmith, he's also he also – was the great Nipolini and he has like world records, Guinness world yeah. records for uh, pulling, pulling anvils with his nipple rings. Oh, 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 what, what, and like pulling car, like pulling trucks and stuff. Cool ass dude. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah. yeah. I had a very good friend named Johnny Fox. He was the king of swords and mm -hmm. he, um, he was very, very, he's one of the most famous sword swallowers that ever lived. And he, uh, he lived in New York, and he had the, a, a place up there called the Freakatorium. Mm -hmm. It was all this old sideshow memorabilia as a, as a museum. Um, he passed away the, a couple of years ago under, with cancer, but uh, 
yeah, he used to do crazy stuff and always always had the craziest friends show up and, and do stuff with him and shows. It was great. I know, I know you told me that you're from this area. Well, you're from Delaware originally, right. but yeah. now, where are you nowadays? I'm in Akron, Ohio, because uh, my uh, my third wife, that's right, they call me Triple X because I have three of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my third wife and I got divorced, and she moved to Ohio with my son, and there's no way in hell I'm being away from my boy. Right. So I moved to Ohio, and I live within two miles of his house, which well, doesn't make old, her happy. How old's your son? Care. How old's your boy? Uh, he's 17 now. Wow, cool. And he's uh, uh, I'm six foot one, and he's three inches taller than me. Wow, cool, man. Uh, so, yeah, it's like he's lording that over me right now and completely rests his arm on my head. And stuff. You know. I'm so, not a small guy, but he makes me feel it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to ask this, but uh, what is it? What does it feel like to be like a role model for this kid? Especially the fact that, like, especially that you're somebody who's a motivator. That's like part of who you are and what you do. As part, as part as like you gotta take off the that like job hat and put on that my role hat as your dad. What what is the relationship like in that? Well, you know, it's it's I'm glad you asked that question because. First of all, think about him. You know, his his dad is an action hero, right? <laughs> his dad does whips and nunchucks and swords and all that stuff, right? right? And so I started teaching him that stuff when he was a little kid. And mm -hmm. so he he cracks whips, he does sword fights, he does all, nunchucks, he does all the stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. But and and he's done it his whole life and it's just fun, right? Right. And um but also during the process of him coming up, all the information that I have from motivation and achievement I've 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 instilled in him. So as I'm talking to him about stuff about how conflict resolution, especially like two of your friends end up having a, a um, an argument, and I actually was in my room one day, I was working on something in my office, and I heard two of his friends out here arguing, and I heard him talk them down from the argument using things that I taught him. So mm -hmm. I feel like I've done well. The, right. the key is, teachable, is you know, my, teachable my, moments in that. Right, right. So right. My, my dad, my dad was a plumber uh, in Delaware, and he, uh, his, his whole big thing was, you know, you know, be a tough guy, be tough, be tough, be tough, right? Mm -hmm. And he used to say, you know, that one oh shit wipes out a thousand attaboys. And I was like, but the problem was he never gave any attaboys. He always gave oh shit. So <laughs> the, the the oh shits didn't matter, right? Well, Am I allowed what, to cuss on your on your show? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is what is oh shit though? What does that mean? Well, so so if you mess up, he's gonna he's gonna knock you down for it. He's gonna beat you up about it. Mm -hmm. You know, he's gonna he's gonna give you crap, right? He's gonna treat you like your garbage, basically. Mm -hmm. And so for my yeah. son, he. Instead of the, the, the attaboys are the positive reinforcement. Oh, I, I know attaboys. Right. I know. Right. We, right. So we, I'm, I'm that's, giving. That's, that's, uh, that's my world, man. I live in, in, a, in a constant state of validate me and tell right. me that I'm handsome. Tell me that I'm funny. <laughs> tell me that I'm smart. I live in that like attaboy all the time to me. Right, right, right. But the thing right. is, somebody has to give it to you, right? right? And the person who's not giving you the attaboys is not giving you positive reinforcement. So mm -hmm. I, I, lean heavily into praise and, and, and positive reinforcement so that when I actually have something negative say, to say to him, right, there's it, impact. It, it's, and, and, it has much more effect. Right. I mm -hmm. just, at this point, I, he does something wrong. I just go, excuse me? Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, shit, I screwed up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's the one oh, shit. The one, yeah, oh, that's shit. The one oh, shit. <laughs> one oh, shit wipes out a thousand attaboys. So right. he uh -huh. hears that, ex that, that one moment of excuse me, 
and he knows that that he messed up. Okay. But he's also confident in the fact that those thousand attaboys says he's secure and confident. So he knows he's in a good place still. So John, what is what is now? We're, we're to, I was talking about that like that ego hole, that validation that we seek, that 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 reciprocal, like not reciprocal, the the uh, rhetorical conversation that we have with audiences, that where it's like we're speaking and you're listening, and we have things that are interesting enough for you to hear. I have somebody who I'm somebody who is on a public platform who's wearing tights in front of strangers and. What what gave what like what damage caused that hole for your ego to be able to fill it up with applause and validation? Wow, that Incredible. is a that is a huge huge question, and I I've never had anybody ask a question like that before. I'm so glad you did. So, my father was an abuser. He was a he was a tough guy, and I had a feeling it was going to go there. They had seven kids, and of the seven, he hated one, and I was the one. And, you know, I got kicked out of my house on Christmas Eve and, and you know, all, when I was 16 and, and like all kinds of crazy things happened in my life, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, it, it, way that manifested, I became a huge introvert and, and I was, I was shut down emotionally and, and socially. And, and by the time I got out of, out of uh, high school and out of that area, Renaissance Festival saved me because what happened was I, I liked going there because I was getting all kinds of positive reinforcement while I was there. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that happened was I started booking myself as an entertainer because I was getting all that positive reinforcement. And mm-hmm. as that positive reinforcement grew, I, I, I started finding out the things I was saying was funny. So I was getting positive reinforcement about that. Yeah. And that raised into building a show, which went on to carry the rest. But there was that 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 start, that that stunted growth in the beginning that needed me to go on stage. But well, I will tell you something else. You can grow past that. And uh, it was one of the one of the greatest compliments I ever got from another stage performer was he says, he says, John, he says, I um, I watched your show today. He says, and your partner comes on stage, you know, before you to warm up the act. And he comes on stage and for 20 minutes, he tries to you know, get them to like him. Mm-hmm. He says, you walk on stage and they love you. He says, and I don't, I don't think it's because of the fact that he warmed them up. I think it's because of the fact that you're doing something different. What is it you're doing? I said, I walked on stage and I loved them first rather than expecting them to not like me. And that's the key. You've got to go on stage and know, you're, know, know that you're bringing something good. You have to have the confidence in what you're doing. You, know? yeah, I, you walk on stage confidently and absolutely. you know, hey, not only am I confident about what I do, but it's something good for you. you know, and I'm bringing something good to you. You're going to win every time. And that's well, why that's why when I go into corporate speeches, I'm so different from every other corporate speaker they've ever seen. They see me walk to stage in my three piece suit and my tie and my shaven head and my little horn rim glasses, and I walk on stage and they think, "Oh, guy, okay, we're going to in for a boring uh, accountant speech, right?" And next thing you know, I have a whip out and I'm cracking whips on stage and I'm doing <laughs> crazy <laughs> things on stage, and it's it's so unique and so different. It brings something different. But I when I walked on stage, you know, I had to realize I, I had to be confident. That, that they were going to like me. But it was hard at first to go from being a comedian sword fighter to being a corporate speaker because I had to shift the mindset of how are they going to take me seriously. And so, what I discovered was I just have to lean into what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Go well, well, I think the confidence is a part of and And I say this to, to younger people who ask me advice on anything. I always say, 
Do it because you knew you had to do it. Do it like you know you belong there. Mm-hmm. You absolutely are there for the purpose to do the thing you're there to do. And don't let somebody make you feel because they've judged you in that second that you're not worthy of being there and doing the thing that you advertise yourself as coming there to do. Yeah, if you're focused on what they're going to think of you, then mm-hmm. you're living their life and not your own. You need to go out there and live you fully. You know, so, If you want them to love you for you, then you have to be you fully. Right. Yeah, that's, that's that's where likability comes from. Likability right. comes from not being a phony. If you're right. if you're not if you're not sincere, you probably don't have likability. That, that's right. well, well, that, yeah, that that's sometimes true. But because I've known some, some some sincere assholes too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right? yeah. I mean, there's 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 a, there's a loop <laughs> for every asshole, yeah, right? yeah, Of course, there's a right. circumstance for everything that's, right. that's uh, right. outside but, of the normal. But, you know, I, I talk to people all the time about, especially people who are like, they see me with my three ex-wives, right? They're like, how did you find one? You know, I said, well, the way I found one was interesting, was I was myself and I be- did lived me fully and did the things I wanted to do and talk to people that were at the same place doing the same kind of things. Mm-hmm. How I lost my wives was the allowing them to change me from being me. Mm-hmm. And so... If someone's trying to change you, they don't love you. They love what they want you to be, mm-hmm. right? So for, for, I lost three wives because they wanted me to be something different than what they were attracted to in the first place. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've honestly been I've been kind of dealing with that forever because I think the, the, the main idea is like, oh, this is something different than everybody else. Let me, let me get my hands on it. And then once I have my hands on it, I'm going – to make it kind of more like what I want and not the, not the, the being that they already are. I'm going to, I'm going to pick and choose what I like and don't like and, and manipulate in a way. And I don't want to say that the manipulation is in done in an evil way for sure. I think manipulation comes from a place of learned behavior and sometimes comes from a place of, of uh, just sort of trying to, trying to just, survive it comes from right. a survivalist place um right. it comes from their past experience too, right. because like their father might be a certain way and they expect their husband to be the same way as their father right and i've had that on a couple of them right uh, and, well you, you gotta stop suddenly, marrying them john what i say <laughs> you gotta stop marrying oh them. dude yeah I, I i i learned things the hard way <laughs> i put up a picture on facebook a while back and it was like a an arrow here showing the rapier had stuck me there scar, a nunchuck scar here, a broadsword scar here. And I, I had like all the marks of all the things that hit me in the face. And a, a fight director friend of mine says, you should stop parrying with your face. <laughs> right. Right. The, lessons, the lessons you learn are never, the, never learned the easy way. <laughs> right, right, right. You do. You know, I did 4,000 of my shows, but I, I guarantee you I did another another three or 4,000 of shows that weren't mine, mm-hmm. you know? So I've, I'm, I'm probably, probably rounding closer to 10, 10,000 shows that I've done that are, you know, sword fights and crazy things. And yeah, dude, we're, we're, we're of the same, we're of the same brand. You and I, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, being a, being the pro wrestler, you know, the, the, the showman, the, 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 the lessons learned the hard way you, you you take bumps the wrong way and you learn so that you know 
I, I mean, I also can't count how many shows I've ever done, but I know it's, it's up there. I mean, I've been doing it. I was doing it since I don't want to say was doing because I'm still doing it, but mm -hmm. I'm saying I started doing it in like 98. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so if I'm still doing it all this time later, I for sure cannot count how long I've been doing it. <laughs> I can't count how many shows I can't, I can't, I, you know, I, you, I went through. The only reason I know it was how many it was is because we did tally. Oh yeah. And also you were probably getting paid for them. Well, we were getting paid for it, but I was, yeah. I was literally, we have a log book for that and slash show where yeah. we would tally the shows. Cause we, we wanted to hit milestones because for marketing purposes saying, Hey guys, come to we the next show. It's our thousandth show. Right. Huge, mm -hmm. huge marketing. And then you have the thousands show t-shirt that you sell and you know right so it's, it's, it's gimmicks bro it's gimmicks right in, in in wrestling we would call the like the t-shirts you sell those are your gimmicks that you're, you're selling right. gimmicks so i i for sure get it but <laughs> but with wrestling there's tons of times when you make towns and you you know you're not getting paid and you're basically you're basically doing it because you love it and for no other reason right it, it's kind of like practice to get better and it's definitely right. It's definitely the addiction to the validation. It's addiction to the the claps and the applause. And right. uh, I know I know a lot of guys who are professional jousters, mm -hmm. and I mean on horseback, full armor, getting hit by by poles and knocked to the ground. Right? right. Some of them have been knocked unconscious multiple times, severe injuries. They make no money. Mm -hmm. You know, most of them. Right. The company makes money, but they jousters themselves usually don't make that much money. Mm -hmm. And they all do it because at the end of the show, they are the knight in shining armor riding down the field talking to the pretty girls right. who all have a fantasy about being with knights with the <laughs> knights in shining armor, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, there's, a, there's an ego element in most anything we do in life. You mm -hmm. know? It's a matter of – see, the, the word ego to me is an interesting word because ego just – ego in, in the original language of Hindi, that was, it just means self-awareness. But mm -hmm. it's, you can be – balanced in one way or another you can go into the big ego and think here's the greatest thing since sliced bread or you can have the the ego diminish from you and be undervalued and you know beat yourself up so it's a matter of in ego it's a matter of keeping the ego balanced oh dude it's a constant balance and there's no there's no absolute i've got it nailed i'm all the way set on how good my ego is it's a constant work the work never ends right. and and you know what dude Honestly, John, I've I've said this a million times on the podcast, and I'm going to say it to you. And in, you can use this; you can apply it; you can say it on your in your speeches. If you give me credit, cool. If you don't, whatevs. But but I'm, mm -hmm. I always say, in in stores, the bookstores, there's a section. It's a multi-billion-dollar section of self-help books. Mm -hmm. You go there. Brian Regan just did a, on his new special. <laughs> it's a side note. He was like, I went to the bookstore and I asked the lady to help me find the self-help section. And he went, and she went, why don't you try to find that yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. But, right. but I was saying there, this is a multi-billion dollar industry, the self-help. Um, but there's no money made in the self-fix section because that doesn't exist. You have to continue to do the work. There is no mm -hmm. magic wand. There is no cure to there is no cure to depression. There's no cure to sadness. There's no cure to having 
an unhealthy ego. That's all work that you got to continue to do. The prescription is self-reflection. Right. Life is motion. And if you're not moving, then you're not achieving anything anyway. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's like it's like when you look at a river going down a mountainside, you know, that river, when it's moving, it's got air and oxygen and life. When you pick that same water and you put it in a puddle and let it get stagnant, it becomes poisonous and bugs lay their eggs in it. Right. So mm -hmm. your motion is where life is. So if you want to achieve anything, you know, when I talk about, you know, my life, I've been. I've been a stuntman, a fight director, an artistic director, a keynote speaker. I've been a landscape designer. Um, what else did I do? What else am I doing? And what else am I going to do? You know, that's that's the way my life works. Mm -hmm. There is no limitations to what I can achieve and what I can't achieve. It's a matter of me saying I'm not stopping. I look at I look at it this way. Our life is a book that we're writing mm -hmm. and we can we can write whether it's a comedy, a tragedy or an adventure story. And we never have to write a conclusion until we decide to write a conclusion. Right. Well, it's like, it's funny because uh, people, I, 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 I cringe when I hear people say that something ruined their life. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, <laughs> your life isn't over yet. It's not, right. a, you can't ruin it. You got so I always, much I always cringe when they I always cringe when they say they were the love of my life. I'm you, like, no, they weren't. They were the love of that part of your life, but right. you, your life is still going, right? Another thing I, I say all the time, and once again, apply it and use it if you want. If you want to do it in your speeches, cool, whatevs. I don't mind if you if you accredit me or not, but I always talk about the the uh, birth to death, let's say uh, ideally 100 years. Mm -hmm. So your your childhood sucked, your parents abused you, and... You carry that anger when this was when it was this much of that. It was this tiny portion of the zero to a hundred years. It was just uh, ten years of that. How many other ten yearses have you lived lived since then? I know it's, uh, it's, it's years is is a weird word, but for sure, how many other ten yearses have you had? <laughs> right, right. But and any if you're in if you're in a relationship that's two years and it's you know it's. It's been, it was the best and it was great for most of it. And then it ended terribly. It's like, but you know, it was only two years out of the hundred years. Like that's only, it's a little tiny portion. It's not, it's not, um, it's be life defining. And then that's the other part I say about like, careful what you really identify with and what you're, what you're going to like bite into and, and own that as who you are and, what right. you what you continue to be because right. you can continue to be whatever you want you don't have to be uh well, and it's the same it's the same thing about grief as well and someone passes away right mm -hmm. and they get i like i know my i have a, a friend of mine right now who his her mother passed away a couple of years ago and she still pines for her mother every day right mm -hmm. and i i said to her i said you know if this is your mom's life the part that you're focused on is this little bit at the end. You know, all the rest of this was the part you loved her for. You know, why don't you instead of focusing on the stuff that you didn't like, focus on the good stuff. Think about the good things, right? And then, you know, she would want you to remember her this way, not this way. Right. You know, yeah. Your mom. Like you, the people who love you like that wouldn't want you to mourn over them for right. that long. And they want you to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And mourning would if they were if there is another side. And mm -hmm. they're looking over. They don't want you to be mourning and have a horrible time here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they want you to have a good time. <laughs> well, right? like it's it's weird. It's uh, I uh, 
my my grandmother's dog. Um, we we took my grandmother's dog after my grandmother passed away, and he lived with us for the rest of his life. Hmm. And he, I, I got really close to them. And one day, I came home and I found him dead. Oh, like I found him like he had shit all over the place. He had puked all over the place, and his body was laying there. Hmm. And I couldn't think about Buddy and not think about that moment. And I'm like, mm. I had so much time with him where I just loved him so much. And it was like, I got to, now I got to, like, that was what we signed up for, I guess. We signed up for taking care of them at the end of their life. Right. But uh, I, I, I had a lot of times where I, like, couldn't think of him. And then finally I got to the point where I'm like, man, what a, what a fun time I had with him. Like, he was such a fun little guy and we always played. So... I, I get that. Like you, you focus the energy on the last moments right, when, right. when there's so much more of like lessons that you can learn that would, that, you know, you, you, for, you breeze right over them because you're too focused on uh, w what moments you can't get back. I always say this. And once again, take this, if you want, we waste too many right nows on right now. So we'll never get back. Right. 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 And, and right now is the only moment you have because it's the only moment you can do anything. I mean, you can't go to the store next Thursday right now. You can't go to the store last Thursday right now. There's mm -hmm. only one moment that you actually friggin' live. And it's right. this one. So you have to make this one a good one. It's interesting. You talk about your dog. I had a I had a 110 pound Rottweiler named Odin. He was the greatest dog ever. I got him when he was two weeks old and I literally bottle fed him because he was so young mm -hmm. and carried him in my pocket. You know, eventually he was this gigantic dog. And it, he lived to 12, which is very old for a big dog like that. Yeah, big dogs. And still. he ended up getting bone cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a horrible death, horrible death. But I don't remember the death part. I remember the, the, <laughs> the really funny stories that came out of having a goofy Rottweiler. You know? <laughs> you know? The joy. And yeah, the joy. Yeah, that I would have another one right now, but I travel too much. You know, right. with my job, the, the year before COVID, I did over 200 days of travel. Dude, you know what I was thinking of when you said something about when you were talking about the 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 uh, love of your life, and you were talking about the 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 moments where you've got to change and you got to do. I I went right back to you talking about the fact that you're now trying to be on a bunch of podcasts. You're trying mm -hmm. to be because what you did do isn't a thing you can do, so you had to adapt. So that then cyclical comes right back around we're right. adapting uh, we are a constant that's why the show is called evolving <laughs> that's why right i well you don't talk about those podcasts i had i in the past two months i've done 22 of them mm -hmm. and i have 19 in queue right now mm -hmm. right and i'm and i'm stacking them and keep going because yeah. if i can't go speak then my job really is to get to be out there and be known mm -hmm. right so i'm doing as many as i possibly can the other thing is is that you know while covid's going on you know, I'm I'm writing my book. I'm doing online courses that are going to be coming out next year. So when this crap, all this crap happened, I could have easily said, "Well, God, I'm I'm done. I'm over. You know, my career's over." That's no. This is just another opportunity, and I kept the motion going. You know, I upped my video game. I I got a green screen, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and lighting and all this like, stuff. Wow, he's knocking pretty hard on that brick. Yeah, pretty good, right? So that's because I have. <laughs> knuckles of steel buddy knuckles of steel right right <laughs> um, um but yeah it's like i have at the green screen i got yeah. the i got the lighting i did all the stuff because it was like okay i'm gonna stay in motion you know yeah. now yeah. i'm marketing and and 
things are great right now. You know, when I come out of this, because I was staying in motion, I'm going to come out of it with more live speeches and virtual speeches. I'll be able to do those now because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing them before. And I'll have my books done. I'll have a, I'll come out of it with so many more products, and I'll make so much more money because of COVID than I ever did mm-hmm. when, before when I was traveling 200 days a year. Well, it's, it's, it's the thing that I, I always quote this um, – I've talked about it on this podcast a billion times. I actually had this this guy as a guest on. Uh, back in like 2003, uh, a friend of mine who's a wrestler, he, he wrestled under the name Messiah. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, in August, uh, these men, the beginning of August, August 4th, these men broke into his house and they they took uh, hedge clippers and they cut his thumb off. No. Oh. They cut his thumb off and they, he fought them off and they left. Mm. But they, like they they took his thumb with them, uh. Uh, but then he he came back to wrestling three weeks later, mm. and he said, uh, "I was standing in the, in the locker room, and he had uh, there was a camera crew with him, and he was right next, he was right near me, and he held the the hand up with his thumb missing. He said, you see this? This is an obstacle.'" This is an obstacle. This is just an obstacle. And he wrestled that night and he wrestled. He continued to wrestle. And I don't think he wrestles anymore, but I mean, like what an inspiration to me uh, right. for, for him to be like, yeah, I can, I'm adapting. I'm going to, I'm not going to see this obstacle as something that's stopping me. So then I took that. And on the same day, the same day that he, the same day that he got attacked and his thumb got cut off, uh, August August fourth, but in 2011, August fourth, I had a grand mal seizure that almost ended my life, and I had to have brain surgery, and I had to come, and I was like, I'm coming back to wrestling, and this stuff is an obstacle, and I took that right from Messiah, and I wanted to have him on the podcast so that I could tell him on the record, because I know this stuff's outliving us. <laughs> when mm. I when I'm gone, he can go back and listen to that and be like, Wow, Corey told me. How much I inspired him and how much I meant to him. If if if, if I go before him, you know, right, or if he right. goes before me, I'll be able to have on the record that the moment where I got to tell him, man, like you, you really, you really, really, really uh, spoke to me and got me through something. Got me through something huge. I mean, that's great. That's great. I, I took I took that mindset, and when uh, when they were like, yeah, well, you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to stay in this hospital for for a month after. You know, for 30 days after the surgery, are you prepared for that? And I was like, no. What? Why? And they were like, well, you, well, you might have to learn to read and write and walk and talk all over again. And I automatically said, I'll be home in a week. Mm. And I was home in three days. Yeah. yeah my, my story is a little different. When I was 22, I was moving boxes of clay for a friend of mine, and my spine split in two, and I was paralyzed. Wow. And, um, they took me into the hospital, and while I was in the hospital, I read a book called The Tao of Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned from that book mental flexibility. So that obstacle thing that you're talking about, it's the same thing. It's just something in the path to get where I, where I want to go. It took me uh, a year and a half, and and the first 30 days was just being able to, to get my upper torso to, to lift off the bed. And then um, the first year was just to get back to – the, the ability to be able to walk like a normal person. And in a year and six months, I jumped off a three-story tower into a fall pad. So, I mean, it, you, your, your mind is the key. Your mind, you know, 
the thing is, when, when something comes up that seems contrary to what you're trying to achieve in life, you can look at it as an obstacle and you can believe it's an obstacle and the thing that's going to stop you. Or you can say, look at this as like, oh, this is something that I need to address to get to my goal. And that's how you have to look at life and, and anything that comes up. It's just something you have to address to get to your goal because you're a person who gets to their goals. I had I had this bit that I was doing that I was doing before COVID. Uh, I was doing on stage where I would say everybody does everything so that they can say that they did it. Like the reason I said that the reason you guys are here today is so that later on you can be like, oh, last night I went and saw comedy. Look, that's everybody does something so that they can say that they did it. And I was like, well, um, I I said uh, it was it was Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and. Uh, my mom went out Black Friday shopping at midnight and I snuck back in her house and I did all her dishes for no, no reason at all. No, 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 not looking for any thank yous or anything. And you know why I did it? So that I could come here tonight and tell you how much of a good guy I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, but it's all that same thing. Like, man, like for you to have been paralyzed and been Man, how how did that happen with the clay? I mean, w w it was just uh, well, too heavy. At that point, I was I was already starting to do stunt work. I was already buff. I was lifting weights. I was going for my black belt in karate, and I was I was like really <clears throat> a fit guy. And the guy said, "Hey, come help me unload my van." I said, "Sure, no problem." I, I just looked at it as another another workout, another chance to build up my muscle. Mm -hmm. So I went out there, and he was a professional potter. He made pottery, and mm -hmm. these were eighty pound pothead. boxes of clay. Mm -hmm. and so I got up in his van, I picked up the first one, and I twisted, and it, my, my spine literally went like this. And they took me to the hospital, and the doctor said, John, you have a condition called spina bifida occulta, which mm -hmm. basically means three of my vertebrae never formed properly at birth. Mm -hmm. And when I twisted with the extra weight that day, I literally unscrewed my back, mm -hmm. and it, it literally went, it went, like, fell off and pinched off the spinal column. Wow, and that's what left me paralyzed. And um, they wanted spina, to, they wanted spina bifida. Isn't that what the little? Isn't that what the sister had in Pet Cemetery when they locked her in the basement? Uh yeah, I don't remember that movie, so um, <laughs> I don't remember it. Um, it haunts bifida, me. It haunts spina bifida me. Is, is a is a is a very se severe disease. Yeah, and, and the worst case is the spine actually grows outside of the body. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think that was what was what in I the have is is spina bifida occulta, but it's basically. When, yes. when vertebrae form, they come around and they form a donut, and then there's these two flanges that kind of mm -hmm. marry and fuse. And my three of my vertebrae, when they came around and fused, instead of fusing like this, they kind of missed. When that, that was in utero. Yeah. 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 So we had no idea. We had no right. idea until, until the accident. Mm -hmm. We had no idea that that, that had happened. That's and, very, um, similar, very similar to me, John. Like, honestly, that, that, that grand mal seizure that I had mm -hmm. was something in utero. It was... My uh, my veins in my brain weren't formed correctly. From well, that explains I, a lot. No, and, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't mean. I didn't mention. I didn't learn. I didn't reread to learn to read or anything. <laughs> I didn't learn yet. Still, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You can lead me to water, but you cannot stop me from drinking. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I I uh. I think, I think it's just, it's a matter of like, probably at the time was when I was like, when I was weight training the hardest I had ever weight trained at that point where, uh, a lot of days leading up to that, I was puking. I was puking from the weight training that I was doing. Mm. And that might've just triggered something that 
that that opened that thing up so it bled that caused that seizure but mm. um it, once again it you it was so like such a like you the same thing with the this just twisted a little bit when you were carrying that that clay where it's it just one little thing one tiny little thing Yep, it's just just that extra extra weight. And the funny thing was, at that point, I mean, I was already, I had already done high falls. I had already done, you know, I was doing sparring in competition, and and so well, I you was. Said you, I was all, you were you were fighting at two thirty three. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big I'm a big guy in general. Yeah, yeah I mean, my, you said you're six one, right? I'm six one. If you uh -huh. look, my shoulders are broad. I'm a very broad guy, and uh, my waist is narrow. So all of my weight was in my, uh, my upper muscle. Yeah, well, legs. It's and so um, the, the upper right? body is the most important thing. That <laughs> right, right. The, the, co yeah. the, the core of it all. You know what yeah, I'm saying? right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it's upper body business, as, brother. As a speaker, yeah, as a speaker now, you know, I, I don't get nearly the exercise I used to get, and right. I'm 56 years old. I'm not expecting to do what I did at 22. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I have a I have a gig coming up in the fall that I'm, I started training for yesterday that is going to be the whole theme of the event is um, reaching the peak and I'm, I'm going to rappel into the show. John, so let, gonna, me, let me, let uh, me, let me, uh, let me offer myself as a resource to you in any way. I just want to make sure I say that on the record. Okay. Uh, if, if ever there's a chance that you could need some help or want to talk to somebody or, or, think that I'd be an interesting resource for you or I can be a good resource for you in any way. Absolutely. Talk to me. I'm always here. I'm glad we're friends now. I'm glad this is, I'm, I, I'm, this is the part where I'm saying the stuff that's on the record because for sure this stuff is outliving us. Well, oh, sure. Absolutely. absolutely. The point, the point of me wanting to do this show and, and wanting, and at this point having so many episodes is like, I, I treasure the opportunity to make new friends and I'm super glad that I made one in you, and uh, if I can, if I can be some sort of puzzle piece for you in some way, I'd absolutely be happy to do that and be there. I'll I'll put it in the resources file, <laughs> and I don't mean the one next to the desk. I mean the real one, <laughs> <laughs> no, the one next to the desk where things are crumbled up and tossed. <laughs> yeah, in the yeah not that one. This one. <laughs> 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 I'm filing it away. <laughs> no, no, it's actually, I will keep, I will keep the information. Don't you worry. Do you have, at this point, I'll just flip it around. I, I don't really do this very much. I do it sometimes though, but I'll flip it around and ask you if there's anything you want to ask me. Absolutely. Feel free to do so. So what, what, what got you into, into the idea of, of doing a podcast in the first place? Oh man. Um, I, I've been, I was such a fan of so many shows. Like I mm. love podcasts. I'm, I'm such a big comedy nerd and I'm such a big podcasting comedy nerd. Like, so the amount of podcasts that I listened to, I was like, you know, I was also, I was also doing a wrestling podcast, which I'm still doing. We're actually celebrating our six year anniversary next week for, mm. uh, the, for wrestle rock, wrestle rock.com. R I S S L E rock.com. There you go. Nice, <laughs> and, uh, nice plug. <laughs> but uh, we're, we we were doing it we were doing it and it was like each show was an hour and we we're only talking about wrestling and i felt like at the end of every show i'd always had so many other things that i wanted to say and more ways that i wanted people to kind of get to know me a little bit more but it felt so surface it felt very surface and not as deep as i wanted it to be and uh i also felt like i wanted to be able to create 
some kind of show that if I was a fan of a, of the show, I'd want to listen to it. Right. right. <laughs> I want to create a content in where uh, the people who like the kind of stuff I like will also like this. Right. So right. That's, that, that, that's the key right there. It's like one of the things that's interesting about podcasts that, cause I've, I've been on a lot of them now. Right. right. And there's the, there are the ones that they go, they, they send you a list of questions that they're going to ask you mm -hmm. and that they suck. Because you get you get on there, you've seen all the questions, so you've sort kind of you know, you might not tried, you've you've mentally yeah. formulated, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But even in the when they ask them on the show, they sound like they're reading their list, right? right. And the ones that the best the best podcasts are always the ones that are conversational, mm -hmm. that are just like let's just go and see where it goes and what happens. Because and I think it's those are the podcasts that the best promote you. It best promotes the guest because. Because the thing that people are looking for is authenticity. They're looking for reality. They're not looking for somebody to say how great they are. They're looking for someone who's, who's fully being themselves and bringing good information. You know, and well, so I, you know, I hope I hope that it's very much educational. I really hope right. that the 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 point of me wanting to have people on the show is like I want to be able to learn from people like that's, I'm not only calling it evolving with Corey Castle because I'm Corey Castle and I host the show, but it's like. You can hear me learn things and become mm -hmm. a different person through the journey of the episodes. It's like you go from episode one all the way to 233 and you haven't seen any change or evolving in me. Maybe I'm hosting the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe you're on the treadmill of evolution. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it's great that you're doing that. So, so in the process of actually doing all these podcasts, what is your number one thing you've learned? Oh man, there's too many things. Uh, I think mostly mostly is it's like, don't get too personal on whether I think the main thing is like tons of people are going to like shoot you down or not want to do it or reschedule or whatever. So I had to, the main thing I had to learn because dude, I'm so sensitive. I'm a very, very, very sensitive person. So if, if somebody blows me off or something, I take it very, very personally. Or if somebody doesn't respond to me, I take it very, very personally and it hurts my butt. It hurts my butt real hard. I don't want that. You're and, doing it wrong. Sorry, sorry. Is that loud? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I don't know, but if your butt's hurting, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, dude. <laughs> so it's just um, just about trying to take things a little less personally, but actually make sure that you have that sincerity in there in your message, so that it's personal enough. Right. To connect to anybody who's listening. And that's what I sincerely hope to, to do. I hope to personally affect whoever's listening because I know the the currency in your effort and your time is more valuable than the currency in the zeros in the back of your, your bank statement. Right. Time is the one thing you do have because right. you can't take your money with you. You can't take your house with you. You can't take your car with you. But your time, your time will end as well. And it's uh -huh. the only thing that you will ha actively have whether you're poor or rich or have a car, right. you know, you'll always have time. My, I just had, dude, I honestly, I'm, 
I'm 37 years old. I oh god, you're so old. <laughs> but I'm, I'm 56. My, thank you very much. <laughs> my 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 aunt my aunt is in her 60s, and we we've never really had really long deep conversations. But you should while she, you she, can. She's been calling me, so we've been having these long deep conversations, and and uh, you know we we go back and forth, and it's 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 really cool. And she lives in Florida, so she doesn't have a lot of people to connect with, uh, and. And I said to her, because I know she has, she has a lot of money and she's very like stingy with her money. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, look, who cares about your money? You're not taking it with you. Cause she was right. also talking about this being like the end of her life. And I was like, live it up. We don't want your money. Like she's living for, she's living for leaving it to us. And I'm like, yeah, my, my mom was the don't, same way. Don't think that I want it at all. I would right. be more happy with nothing knowing that you lived a joyful and and healthy experience in the years that you've got left versus like, oh, wow, wow, no. I, I Terry's said, gone and I have her I house. said those exact words to my mother. Mm-hmm. And I am one of the things I'm most grateful for is the last few years of my mom's life, she and I really connected on some very deep levels. And I'm a, I'm a not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And I studied it all. I studied Buddhism and Hinduism and, and, and you know, the Baha'i faith and Christianity and all of it and the Quran, mm-hmm. you know, the whole bit. And um, my mom is devoutly Catholic. Well, was devoutly Catholic. Mm-hmm. She passed right. away now, but um, my, she, my had, she had her master's degree in liturgy. Mm-hmm. But at the end of her life, we were able to talk openly about our beliefs. And we believed a lot more of the same things than I ever thought, thought we did. And, you know, she was very much on the same page with me on a lot of things. And we really connected. When she got to the, got to the point where she was going to pass away, I told her flat out. I said, you know what? You, you don't have to stay. We, we're good. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can, it's going to be okay. And you're going to go over and you're going to have the experience on the other side that's going to be the one that you want. And it's going to be what you've, what you've lived your life to, to get to. So don't worry about because her biggest thing was worrying about us and leaving something for behind for us. And mm-hmm. I kept saying, we don't want your money. We don't want anything. We don't want anything from you at all. We want you to live a good life while you're here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to live a great life when you go over, you know. So I was yeah. really, it was really an interesting thing. The thing is about your aunt is you got to make sure you have those conversations right. while they're still here because you're not going to be able to talk to them again until you go over, <laughs> you know. Well, what do you what do you think what do you think happens when you die? I am I am well. There's a couple of things I believe. Um, because I've had past life regressions, I believe in past lives. Um, I literally have had had I had well. I'm not a I was never a believer in psychics, but I had 19 of them tell me about the same past life, which mm-hmm. is one topic we're not going to get into which one it was. <laughs> um, but they all told me about the same past life, and I. Um, uh, was like, yeah, but they're psychics. I don't believe that crap. You know, I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I found a, a past life regression therapist and she regressed me and I remembered that same life. And so I I have, I believe that we, we come to this space to experience our separation from source and to learn our lesson, right? And when we go to the other side, it's, it's perfect. It's like a loving space. We come here to... to to learn our lessons through our, our control of fear and our own fears. That's mm-hmm. my belief, right? And mm-hmm. when you look at Buddhism, Buddhism, Buddha said the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. But God's name, according to Moses, was I am. So whatever you're, you're putting after I am is what you're creating. Uh, right. Gandhi says, be the change you want to want to see in the world. So you have you are the one creating your experience. So you literally are here creating. And what I, what I think when you go to the other side, you know, when you've learned everything you want to learn, there'll be another evolution on the other side. That takes More lessons. But I think that here, while you're here, uh-huh. you're here to feel your separation from source and mm-hmm. learn lessons in the process. Right. Does it make sense? That does. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm, 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 I think I'm subscribed to something pretty similar to that. I, I definitely think that when you gum, when it comes to just what you were saying about the I am part, mm-hmm. it, I, I do think that like if, like I was, I, I did have stuff done to my brain. Like I had brain scans. I had tons of stuff done where when they showed me, they showed me uh, like clips of like the, the electricity moving around in my brain. Mm-hmm. I automatically went, that's what God is. So that Say that again? That's what God is. Okay. That electricity that's keeping my brain going is what God is. Not mm-hmm. not somebody up somewhere, somebody, right. some other force outside, uh, other source, some other per- I think God is the the electricity, the energy that keeps our brains active, that keeps keeps the the wind blowing through the trees that then puts the oxygen in our lungs. And we have the opportunity to make relationships with that and make, make relationships with making this place as close to the idea of what heaven is right now on earth. Right. Yeah. So think about this Think about what you just said. I am created in God's image. Well, you are in God's image. Everything you see is made of atoms. Mm-hmm. Even your hand that you're looking that you're looking at, made of atoms. Mm-hmm. Well, those atoms, according to Einstein, are nothing but a pure energy event. And the only thing you over, only thing you, it's made of eaves. Right, right. The only thing you are is your consciousness, what you right. think. Mm-hmm. You know what I think, therefore I am. Right. So, and you think about that statement. I think, therefore God's name. Therefore I am. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you, you, you're all you really are is your conscious essence, and the outer body is something that is made of energy and pure energy and you are here to create your, your experience it's, it's kind of what i just said in a way but we've experienced that separation from the vibration of something pure you know and then buddha said when you realize how perfect everything is you'll tilt your head back and laugh at the sky mm-hmm. because that's the way the world works you know everything is is working the way it's supposed to work. And mm-hmm. sometimes you go through hard things because those are the moments you're learning stuff. And it's Dude, a matter how you come through the hard things. I, I mm-hmm. always say, like, the stuff that comes easy to you isn't teaching you anything. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when everything comes easy to you, you won't be here anymore. You'll go to the next level. It's like Donkey Kong. If, evolve, <laughs> evolve or die. Adapt or die. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. God is at the top throwing the barrels down at Mario, and Mario's jumping the, the, the barrels, and you know he gets there, he gets to the top, he goes to the next level, right? And so that's kind of the way it works. Was, was Mario around before Donkey Kong? Because that, that I don't think so. I think that was his. I think that his, was his, his uh, spinoff. So Mario was a spinoff. Yeah, spinoff we, of Donkey Kong. We don't ever Kong, talk yeah. about. We don't, how come we ain't out here talking about how Mario is a spinoff? <laughs> I should totally should. Yeah, Don, <laughs> Mario Brothers is totally because he was already in Donkey Kong before Mario. 
Oh man. But but did they actually say Mario? Like were they saying I don't, that's I don't, Mario? I, or just I looked exactly like him? I don't know whether they called him Mario in that, but he was definitely the same guy. Yeah, it was the same guy. It was the same guy. Don't try no to doubt. don't try to pull the wool over my eyes. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, no way, no way. That's a conspiracy thing. It's like who who shot Jr. You know <laughs> who was Mario? When was Mario? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, have you have you ever uh, have you ever experienced any like psychedelic? experiences i have you know it's so the craziest things i've done in my life mm -hmm. i've never done a drug in my life oh really and then i and i'm one of the weird guys i dude i did renaissance festivals mm -hmm. i had access to everything right and i just i just never was something i wanted to get involved with i drank for a short time i don't drink now at all mm -hmm. but i what i what i kind of get high on is i really get into high on metaphysics and and meditation and and I do a lot of that kind of work all the time, you know, and I, I just don't feel the need to, to, to alter what I'm already doing. So, dude, you're you're yeah. a fascinating cat, man. I I want to I want to I want to sit down and break bread, man. I think that I think that'd be that fun, we'll, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, totally. I would I would I'll love come to back to I'll come back to the East Coast and maybe we'll do that. We'll yeah, sit down next time. next time you come around, man, just just call me or text me. You got my number. Sounds and good. Sounds once good, once man. again, once again, going back to. If I can be some sort of resource for you, or if you just need conversation, if you just need a friend, if you just need judgment-free conversation or talking or advice or anything, that that applies to you and as well. Anybody who's listening, if this is your first time checking out this show, uh, know that that's, that's an option. I'm not somebody who's hard to get a hold of. So please reach out to me. If you, if you feel like you don't have options, please know that I'm one. And cool. absolutely... Uh, absolutely will uh, put down everything else I'm doing just to, to give you my attention because, That's awesome, dude. That's because, awesome. because dude, the, the, the currency of effort <laughs> is so valuable to me. <laughs> the currency of intention is so valuable to me. And I've, I value the amount of attention and effort and, and intention that you've given me here today. That's so awesome, man. Uh, I want to uh, just, I think, two more things. Two more things, okay. and, then, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll send you home with a hot dog and a handshake. You're right off into the sunset. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I call this, I call this uh, segment on the show. I call it audio time travel. Okay. So let's say it's for the for the next minute or so. It's going to be. Uh, 2041 and your 17 year old son will have aged 10 years. It'll be 27 and be listening to this very audio because, you know, there maybe, maybe a whole lot of, maybe a whole lot of audio of, of dad doesn't exist where, mm. where, you know, let me, let me also encourage you before, before I get, ask you to go into the, into the audio time travel message, you should have your own podcast, but uh, me, I do. I do. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, Interaction hero. Okay. Well, well, I'm happy to be a guest on your show. If you ever, <laughs> there you go. If you ever want me to be. So in this, in this audio time travel, this timestamp in what 2021 has been and the life lessons that your son can hear from you right now in this time of your life that will apply to him in 2041. 
So what you're saying, what lessons that I, have I learned mm -hmm. from from 2021? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that no matter how dark or dire anything is, you you can grow from it. I have a very good friend who's a who's a, a keynote speaker and a, she, she actually bills herself as the happiness coach. And um, she uh, she says, you're not going through something, you're growing through something. So I would say just remember that you stay in motion, stay present and keep moving. No, at this point, uh, normally the way I wrap up every episode is I, I will say that I've hypothetically handed you this podcast. This is yours now. So this has been your this has been your pilot episode, the first episode of your new podcast, Evolving with John Davis. And in a very Jerry Springer's final thought type of way. Uh, you wrap it up in a in a pretty little bow and tell us what we can use to evolve to a better version of ourselves tomorrow as we are today. And then just to keep it silly at the end, you just do your best impression of Alf and say, Hey Willie. I I, I, I have no idea what Alf sounds like, so <laughs> there you go. Just take, take a stab um, at <laughs> um, So I'll actually I'll do it I'll do it as Yoda, okay? Okay, yeah, All that's right, great. That's better. Okay, so um, big wrap-up. So we have gone through a whole bunch of crazy things today. We've talked about how to achieve more. We've talked about you know our past and where our, our struggles have been and where our struggles have gone. And today we're showing you how you can take what we've done and we've learned and learned from our experiences and go forward into the, into the next part of your life like an action hero, not a reaction zero. So step up, go out there, and do it. And then you find John at corporateactionhero.com. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. <laughs> and Dude. here you go. Ready? <clears throat> it's a Hey Willie was the word. Mm -hmm. Hey Willie. <clears throat> Willie, hello, I say. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my favorite one so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, dude, I, I, I say this thing all the time, and I think uh, I think that's it. You, you totally just touched on it, but I always say, uh, so many of us are so used to just being reactionary to life happening and are mm -hmm. just kind of observers in our existence instead of being deliberate creators in our mm -hmm. everyday existence. So I, I see you as a deliberate creator and I, I recognize it and I appreciate it very much. Yeah. And, and I'll uh, say to you as well. I, I very much appreciate it, very much respect. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say uh, if you, if you have uh, any, Anything you want to use this for, absolutely use it. You have my full permission to use whatever you want to use for this also. Um, anybody anybody listening to this or watching it on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Comment below so that I know that you exist for real. Make sure you, make sure you like and subscribe so that you get new episodes every single Monday at noon. And be fun, have safe, and keep evolving. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs>